We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back. It is time for another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. We're going to late start today, Ryan. So I want to dive right into this thing. We have a matchup today. We're going to have we're going to continue to talk a little bit more at the end of the show about the big event we have coming up on Saturday. But I want all of y'all that are going to be in town for that game. If you live in town or going to be in town, you're going to want to be at that. It's going to be around three three thirty on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I promise you, you're going to want to be there for that. We'll talk more about that at the end, Ryan. But I just want to talk Notre Dame Stanford right now. Okay, so I've been waiting an hour to do this. I want to dive into this statistical matchup because I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this matchup from both sides, about how it's an intriguing matchup, how Notre Dame is perceived right now and how Stanford is perceived right now, how they stack up and and just a really intriguing matchup because it's one of those games, Ryan, where we're going to learn a lot about Notre Dame. Do I expect them to beat Stanford? Yeah. Would I be shocked if Stanford won this game? Absolutely. It's not so much about that. It's about can you dominate the way you're supposed to dominate, which means building on what you've done the last three weeks. That's going to be the big part of this. And being able to to thrive in the areas where you have the matchup advantage and then eliminate the areas where maybe you don't is going to Mm -hmm. be a big, big key to say how much growth has this football team showed. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I mean, we talk about get right games all the time, right? Like for me, this is a get righter game, right? Like Notre Dame has been trending. Jump games. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's something where like, hey, Notre Dame has been trending pretty good the last couple games, especially offensively. Now let's make sure that that's not a little bit of a fluke, right? Like let's hit that and then take it to an even higher level. So we'll call it get writer. We'll call it whatever we want. This is a big opportunity for Notre Dame to ride momentum but then take that momentum to an, a, a level up, right? Like this mm-hmm. is a level up opportunity, I think, for Notre Dame. So I agree with you. I think that this is a massive opportunity. We're going to hyper-focus on the offense, of course, from a fan base perspective, because that's what has been kind of surged in the last couple of weeks. But the team as a whole has an opportunity to really kind of hit a different level this weekend. So it's, it should be an exciting game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you love drinking coffee every morning, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love, fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor, and every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing. Whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrows, every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado, Looking to discover something new? Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish. I feel like with some people, they just can't enjoy a good thing, right? Yeah. Or or even enjoy a, a thing that was good but can be better. And so in, when you look at it, it's kind of funny. It's like now this week on our board and with my friends that are calling because Notre Dame's had two pretty good games in a row offensively. Not perfect, but but much better, especially relative to what they've been. And when you think about – it's going to be by Saturday, Ryan, we're talking about it being October 15th. It's going to be almost a month since Notre Dame has played a home game. Yep. Last home game was September 17th against Cal. And to think how far that, you know, what they looked like last time they were home, you know, against a Pac-12 opponent, right, from the Bay Area. And so then you look at it and you say, you know, offense is getting better. So now there's this reaction to the defense that I think is a little bit like, whoa, okay, timeout. We're, we've lost sight of the areas that need to improve, and now we're jumping into territory that's eh, – not not where it is and so it, it is interesting but the thing the the reason behind that is right so I'm going to push back against some of that stuff but here's why this game is important because Notre Dame has yet to put the game a game together where both units kind of really thrive for the majority of the game the defense played great for three and a half two and a half quarters against North Carolina 
They built up a big lead. That was the closest we've seen to this team playing a complete game. And then, of course, they let Carolina in late. Then the offense fumbles into the end zone. They miss a fourth and one in the second half with multiple chances to just make that a 60-something to 17 game, right? So, you know, that's kind of what we're complaining about, right? Like they only beat 5-1 and one North Carolina on the road by 13 and let them get back in the game. Not even get back in the game late. Let them get a garbage touchdown to turn a, a three-touch score game into a two-score game, right? With, what, a minute left? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's things that is a that it, but, but, but I'm actually okay with that from fans. Like I'm actually, you know what I as I thought I'm okay with it. Cause I'm, I'm glad fans aren't just, again, what was always the criticism of Brian Kelly? Stop lowering the standard. Right. Right. And so we're going to still hold the same standard, but then just understand what the process is to get there. And what are the areas that they are there? What are the areas where maybe they're not there? And then how does that relate to the Stanford game? Cause I think, when you look at St- Ryan, you and I have watched a lot of film last few days, and and mm-hmm. it, this is a team that you need to be able to go out and say, "Oh, this is the kind of game where if your team is ascending," and and I, I wouldn't say it was a fluke. I don't know if that's not the word I would use if the last two games were a fluke because they weren't. You beat two really good teams in a row, but more right. of a you have to avoid the step back. That's mm-hmm. really the way I look at it, and I think we're kind of saying the same thing there. You can't take a step back. You've had mm-hmm. this. You've 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 ascended. You beat a quality Cal team in an ugly win. You had a really convincing win over North Carolina. You were convincingly better than BYU outside of about a quarter. I mean, if we're being honest, like middle of the second quarter, the middle or third quarter, the middle of the fourth quarter is about the only time BYU was even competitive in that game, really. Yep. And and say okay, but stop that. Right. Stop those periods. Right. Like and this is the cut now against Carolina and BYU. It's a little tougher because those are better teams. Those are good football teams. Stanford's not. And so now is when we really see, OK, are they able to separate themselves from the cows and the marshals, which is where they weren't in September? They let inferior opponents hang around. Have they grown to the point now where it's like, OK, we respect you. You're a rival. You can you have some things that, that give us problems, but sorry, we're, we have a plan for that, and we're going to dominate you the way that we're supposed to. And I think yeah. as we dive into the on-paper matchup, it's going to be a little bit misleading, in my opinion, of what the gap is between those two teams, which we'll discuss as to why that gap exists. Brian, I have a imperfect metaphor. You like metaphors? Would you like to hear this one? Love them. All right. Let's do it. So, so think back to when you were a young kid, when you went Okay, sledding. that's a long time ago for me. I wasn't that. You're, you're, you're young and hip still. So think back to when think back to when you were sledding as a kid and you're running up the hill. Right, Brian? You went down the hill. Now you're running back up to go back down again. And there's that point where you get up to a certain point where you can slide back down because it's not great footing. It's snowy. Or you make it up to the peak, right? This – Development can be a slippery slope at times. Right. And I think that that's the fight that you're working with here. And I know that was a really corny, weird metaphor. for Well, no, because like, there. what was the, what, when would you fall? Cause we, we, I mean, I'm from Ohio, you're from Jersey. So we both yep. sled as kids, right? We're both Northern yes. kids at, at heart. You know, we would always, we would go on the reservoir because it was the mm-hmm. highest hill and you could get really good sledding and, you know, and, and it was a lot of fun. But if you went up the hill too fast, yep, you could fall back down. So it was like, Hey, look, be steady, be firm, make sure you've got one foot in front of the other before you take that second step. And you, how do you Good learn that? Him. By falling, right? Exactly. I mean, that, that right? Like, okay, I don't want to fall like I did last time because normally you sort of, and what do you do? Face plant with snow and then you fall back down. Your sled's over here. You learn, hey, I got to make sure I put one foot in front of the other, right? Yeah. To make sure that I don't take step back, steps back. Well, I like the metaphor. I dig that. 
I dig that. You get some, you get some snow in the face. You scrape up yeah. your knee. Yeah. Things happen, man. But yeah. Yeah. but you Resilience. learn. Okay, I, I, yep. I mean, do it better next time. And and that's exactly. kind of what the Ohio State and Marshall games were. It was like, you know what? You got a little ahead of yourselves and you fell back down. You you know what I mean? You got knocked back down the hill, but now you're climbing up and you got to make sure that you don't, you know, get impatient and try to get ahead of yourselves. Don't focus on Syracuse or Clemson or whatever. Just focus on that next step right in front of you. That step is Stanford. And as we talked about on Monday in the recruiting hour show, Brian, it's also a very important recruiting weekend again for Notre Dame oh, being yes. at home with Jeremiah Love on campus, with Brandon Hillman on campus, with Ryan Wingo mm-hmm. being on campus. Very all important the commits, weekend. A lot, or uh, not all the commits, a lot of a lot commits. Of, are be a lot on of commits. This weekend. Yep, Christian Gray and all those boys. Yep, it's it's a very important weekend. And the last the last home game that I was at was Marshall and that left a bad taste in your mouth, yeah. right? I know that's not the last home game, but right. you want to have I mean, a big Cal wasn't that much better. I mean, no, you know, sure. it was 24-17, you were losing <laughs> at halftime, but you got the win. But exactly. they're not the same team now, and they got to make sure that they don't revert yeah. back to that, and that's what this is all about. 100%. So, Ryan, let's begin with a breakdown of the Notre Dame offense and against the Stanford defense because I think this is really an intriguing matchup, and – when you look at this matchup last year, Ryan, it was a it was a Notre Dame got off to a slow start, mm-hmm. which has kind of been a a theme for Notre Dame the last couple seasons. I think there was there were times in two thousand and uh, in two thousand and was it twenty one where I felt like Notre Dame did a, a a good job of coming out fast, but it they were very inconsistent with it. And then this year, Notre Dame has six points in the first half on the season. And it was really the first game and, and the most recent game. They got a pair of field goals. So they scored a, th- a three three points against um, against Ohio State on the first drive, three points against BYU on the first drive, and that's it. Last year was also the first quarter was also, again, you know, they came out well against Florida State and a couple other teams. But last year, the lowest scoring quarters for Notre Dame were the first and the third. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a sign of you're not you're not getting fast starts out of the gate and you have to get fast starts out of the gate. And I think that's something that, you know, when you look at when you look at like the better teams, Ryan, they, they tend to be better out of the gate. Right. And I think that's a, a big this is the game where that has to happen. And even last year's game against against Stanford, Ryan, it was one of those ones where Notre Dame had a chance. They really were rolling first half. It was 24 nothing in the first half, but Notre Dame only scored a touchdown in the first quarter. And so it's kind of like, hey, look, you've got to be able to come out and you've got to be able to to start fast, right? You got a touchdown on drive one, then a punt, then a touchdown, and then you know, then a then a field goal, then a touchdown, then a punt. So even then, like twenty four points was more about Stanford's deep offense went three and out, four and out, three and out, th- two two and out and a fumble, three and out, seven yard, seven plays and a punt, and then a turnover on downs after one play, which means they took a knee. I mean, it was sheer dominance by the defense that kept giving you the ball back and you weren't scoring at the level you need to. Notre Dame had, as I'm looking at this, Ryan, they had six possessions in the first half against Stanford last year, right? So you've got to come out and you've got to start fast. And I think this is a matchup that Notre Dame can and should can and should be able to do that. And so that's going to be a big key for them this year because just to, for comparison's sake, this year, Ohio State, the, the quarter in which they've scored the most points, First and third. Yep. Now the exception being against Notre Dame because they didn't they what scored a touchdown against Notre Dame I think in the first quarter, 
Mm-hmm. But every other game, they've started fast. You put teams away early, and that's the kind of you know killer instinct that you want to see from this football team. So when you look at the offense, that's the first thing that I want to see. And as we kind of as we sort of dive into this matchup, Ryan, and, and we look at like the run offense and the pass offense and the total offense, Notre Dame's going to have an advantage in every matchup here. It's about yeah. can you come out and execute at a high level? That's going to be a key. But this one right here is kind of where it starts. And and no, like as we said, Notre Dame's got some very strange statistics. And you're still at the point of the year, Ryan, where you ask yourself, okay, who is Notre Dame really? Mm-hmm. And I think this is one where you you absolutely look at it and say, okay, we're gonna learn we're gonna learn a lot about it now because when you look at Notre Dame and you look at their success on the ground, the first three games. Notre Dame in the first three games of the season averaged 117.7 rushing yards per game. In two games, they've been able to go from – they were averaging 117.7 going into the North Carolina game. They've been able to jump that over 57 yards, over 57 yards in two games. That is a big jump in two games, even this early in the season. In the last two games, Notre Dame has averaged against uh, two teams that either were ranked, BYU, or are now ranked, North Carolina – they average 260.5 yards per game. Mm-hmm. And so this is a Stanford defense, as the numbers show, is not very good at stopping the run. And so this is a matchup, Ryan, where on paper it doesn't look like a huge mismatch. But if you it, – it, it's a – if Notre Dame is the team they were the first three games, it's slight advantage Notre Dame. If Notre Dame is the team they've been the last two weeks, it's going to be huge advantage Notre Dame. And that's goes to your point, Ryan. Don't take a step back. Yeah. This is a great for the for the rushing offense. This is a great building block opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and Brian, it's always. I mean, there's recency bias, right? But I mean, we can only judge this team based upon what they've been, what they were the last time that we saw them on a football field, right? In the last two weeks, they've been a very good running team. I mean, and I, I was just about to say, even before you kind of highlighted it, like that rush that yard per, per game rushing average uh, on average performance is getting a lot more respectable than it was a couple weeks ago when we <laughs> yes. did this show, right? Like yes. it's, it's starting to look pretty good. It's getting there, man. It's climbing. Right. So assuming that Notre Dame continues to have the exponential growth that we keep talking about, they mm-hmm. continue to take it to that next step. Then this is a massive advantage, right? Like it isn't an even advantage for me because Stanford has pretty much been this team all the way from a right. run defense perspective, right? Like it's not like we've seen them start out terrible, get better, start out great, get, get worse. Like this is a team that right. has been just not a good run-stopping team even last season. Like this is right. just what they've now become. So Notre Dame talked about starting fast, and I agree completely because the other thing about Stanford is that Stanford has stayed in some football games this year for a while, and then like down the stretch of games, it's just like they fade, you know, like then it's right. over at that point. So if Notre Dame gets a good start, first and foremost, you got to feel like you you feel really good about the potential of the game because Notre Dame has shown a proclivity to kind of, you know, stay down the stretch a little right. bit. And I think that it starts right here, man. It starts well, right here. What was one of the knocks on Brian Kelly for a time? And, 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 and not just Brian Kelly, you go back to Charlie. I mean, there's a, been a lot of, this isn't a pick on Brian Kelly day, but Notre Dame for a long time, it's that thought of they would play down to teams. Right. right. And, and that's the thing, you know, late last year, we didn't see that as much, which is good. But, you know, this is a, an opportunity. We're like, look, this is an inferior opponent, and we're talking strictly from the offense standpoint. This is an inferior opponent. It's your chance to go out there and have success. And I think when you talk about context, you know, we're big into context. 
right? And I think that's a very important thing for understanding an opponent. When you look at Stanford, Ryan, they gave up 159 yards to Colgate on the ground, 164 to USC, 169 to Washington, 351 to Oregon, and 192 to Oregon State. There's only been one really bad game among that. When you look at the teams they play, there's not a lot of good rushing teams on their schedule so far this year. They gave up 159 to Colgate. So far on the season, Colgate is only averaging 136.6, which means it got worse. On the FCS level, too. (laughs) Correct, which means it got worse for them running the football after Stanford. And so they scored as many points against Stanford as they did against Holy Cross. I'm just going to point that out real quick. And Holy Cross went out there and rushed for 104 yards. Yeah, 100, 100, excuse me, Colgate rushed for 102 yards against Holy Cross. So, I mean, it just kind of, again, context. They held USC to 164 yards. USC is averaging 183 on the season. So that was a game where they held USC below their, their, their season average, which is a good performance. But part of that was they gave up 300, you know, they gave up 341 passing yards and 74.1 completion percentage, 12.6 yards per attempt and four touchdowns through the air. Yep. So it was one of those things where USC wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, looking to run the ball a whole lot and, you know, averaged 4.7 yards per carry, which isn't great. But that's kind of on par, you know, a little bit below where they've done. So that was a, okay, decent job there. Okay. Yep. Washington, they held Washington to 169 yards, 5.3 yards per attempt. But Washington on the season is only averaging 142.2 and 4.3 per carry. So Washington team. had right. Washington had a full yard per carry higher and 27 yards more in that matchup. They gave up 351 to Oregon, who's the only team that they face that averages at least 190 rushing yards per game as the, as of right now. Oregon averages 241.7 and 6.2 per carry. They went for 351 and 9.5 per carry against Stanford. They're, they're almost getting a first down every time they run the right. football. Like it's, yeah. Right. And we just showed how Notre Dame statistically against uh, against BYU was very similar to where Oregon was, right? And so Oregon rushed for 212 yards and 4.8 yards per carry against, uh, against BYU. Notre Dame went for 234 yards and 5.2 yards per carry against BYU. Mm-hmm. So both teams had success against the one common opponent. This, this kind of, again, context. Right. And so I think that's one where you look at and say, hey, you know, that's an area where Notre Dame or Stanford really struggled. You know, in Oregon had over 100 yards above their average, which when you're averaging 241 yards per game is impressive to go 100 over. And then they gave up 192 yards and 4.8 per carry to Oregon State, which is almost right where Oregon State is on the year. Oregon State's at 181 on the season and 4.85 per carry. So Oregon State pretty much met their met their mark, but you know Oregon State hadn't really been running the football all that well coming into that game. They were at 171 against Utah and 153 against USC, and you know, I mean, really they've been solid but not great uh, all season. So when you look at the context of it, Ryan Stanford has allowed most teams they've played all but USC to go above their season rushing average. And they're teams that don't run the football very well, which makes this number right here look even worse when you consider that they have only played really one good rushing team this season. And, you know, that, like I said, that, uh, I mean, Oregon's the only top 25 rushing offense they face. So on paper, even with Notre Dame's overall season numbers, Ryan, this is a big advantage for Notre Dame and they need to carry it out because what has been the offensive lines 
uh, reason for success. I wouldn't necessarily say that they are, wow, they look like the 2017 unit. They're just blowing people off the ball. It, it's They're getting better movement, but it's been about there's more cohesion. They're playing as a yes. unit better. They're getting to the second level. You made a comment to me when you were talking about Stanford's offensive line. You're like, dude, I don't know if I've seen them get to the second level yet when I'm breaking down their film. Well, that was their name in the first two games. Yeah. But we've seen them get, I mean, a, a late second quarter against Cal, we started to see more of that. We saw that against Carolina. We saw that against BYU, especially in the second half. So it's they're playing together more. Now the next step, Ryan, is be more dominant. I think that's mm-hmm. the next step, and this is a team that I think you should be able to, to be able to establish that, Ryan. Well, I think that's where the big advantage is, right? Like offensive line to the defensive line in front seven, just in general for for Stanford, I think that Notre Dame has a big advantage on paper, and especially where it, what it's been the last two and a half games, right? Because when you think about – I mean, folks, we, it, wasn't, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking after the first couple of games about how poor the offensive line looked, right? Like it was just – it was bad. But the last two and a half football games – Starting to look good. Like you said, there's cohesion that's starting to build, right? Jared Patterson's really settling into the, to the left guard position. Zeke Corral's playing good football. That's the guy that's made the biggest jump from the first two Agreed. games to now. Agreed. I mean, he was to the point where it's like they're going to have to consider maybe making a change. Making a move, yeah. Like and, we, were re- we were ready to yeah. call for Patterson to move back to center, yeah. right? Like we were ready yeah. for it. Like let's we give were. him another game. But the, yeah. he got better against Cal. Yep. He's, he really took a jump against Carolina. But it's like, look, their defense stinks. Let's see, you know, because the one thing about BYU is they didn't have a great rush defense, but up the middle, they were pretty good. Yeah. And they had some big boys, and I thought Zeke more than held his own in that game. And so that's, to me, been the big key because, Ryan, you cannot run the football effectively on a consistent basis if you're getting beat up the middle. If your center is getting whipped, you can't do it. And it's not a surprise. It's not a shock or a coincidence at all that as Zeke has played better, the run game has gotten better. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Especially with how Notre Dame runs their scheme, right? Like they, I mean, they'll run a little bit of outside zone and some jet and stuff, but I mean, for the most part, they're running inside zone, duo power. Like they're running inside oriented runs. So, I mean, Zeke Corral, we need to give him credit. Like we gave Drew Pine a lot of credit yesterday on the show, right? We need to give Zeke Corral a lot of credit because he, it could have been easy for him to just duck his head, go, go into his shell and just be like, poor me. Like I'm, I'm just not, it's not going to happen for me. Right. But he has fought back through adversity, as the whole offensive line has. And we have seen growth from him. We've seen comfort from Jared Patterson. We've seen solid play the last two weeks from Josh Lug. Nothing spectacular, but good enough. And we've seen started to see an evolution. I mean, Joe Walt throughout the majority of the season has played at an All-American level, for being honest, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. played very good football. And Blake Fisher has taken a big step over the last two seasons, uh, last two games, excuse me. So now this is the opportunity for them to say, hey, we have now stacked – we're starting to stack football games every yep. week now, right? Offensive line is playing a whole lot better. Now let's do it again and show that it's not a fluky thing. It's not a couple game then regression thing. And let's show that we can at the end of the season be one of the best – or middle of the season, be one of the best offensive lines in college football. I still don't think that's unreasonable to think at the end of the season we can look back and say – when they got to their peak, when they made that ascension, they could argue for one of the best offensive lines in college football. They have that type of talent. They well, always no have. They have now are getting more confident, and you can see that that confidence is now exuding out onto the football field. They are playing at a, at a much higher level from an energy perspective and from a technical perspective and just from a comfort perspective right now. 
I mean, I think they're already, if you just look at the last two weeks, they are looking like a top 10 unit. Their pass pros have been great. Their run game has been very good. As we mentioned, you know, the last two games, they're, what, what did I say that number was, Ryan? The last two games, like 287 against 260 and a half in mm-hmm. the last two games. Mm-hmm. Now, again, not, not great rush defenses, but you went way above and beyond what those teams are giving up. And that's kind of, you know, that that's kind of the point. I mean, yeah, those teams are not good on stopping the run, but, you know, you had a level of success that that really not many other people have had against them, right? And App State's the only team that's outrushed Notre Dame, and Notre Dame only got outrushed by App State because Notre Dame took two knees at the end of the game. <laughs> you know, so that they would have they would have been above that as well and, and on par with yards per carry. Uh, they they had the most yards, I believe, against BYU. Yes, 234 is 22 yards more than they've given up all year. It was also – here's the difference between BYU and North Carolina. This was the most yards per attempt that BYU had given up. Because one thing we pointed out last week is BYU was making team work for yards. That you, you, you weren't having teams ripping off like six yards a carry, five and a half yards for carry. They had not allowed a single team all year, including Oregon, to go for over four yards a carry. The, the most they'd allowed at that point in time was 4.82. Mm-hmm. Now, Notre Dame was around the four-point, mid-four-point mark most of the game, but they kept at it, they kept at it, and then were able to break some late. That's the mark of a good offensive line. Yep. This team is geared towards stopping your run. We didn't like the, the play calling. And the other thing, too, is the play calling wasn't good for the run game, or the play design wasn't good for the run game. And yeah. they still were able to move BYU around. And that, to me, is the mark of, a, of, a, of a, a unit that's coming along. So, yes. But again, Ryan, this is the point. Don't take a step back in this matchup. And and uh, Zeke continuing to do what he's been doing and, and just getting steady. I, I, Josh Lug is who he is. He's not going to yeah. all of a sudden turn and turn into a dominant player. He is who he is. Just don't regress I thought he was very good in pass pro last week. He he did his job in the run game. That's all I ask him to do. Just do mm-hmm. that. Blake Fisher to me and Zeke Carell to me are the two guys with the most potential to ascend moving forward. They're going to be the keys to this offensive line, Ryan. From your point is they're about a top 10 unit right now based on the last couple of weeks. Would you mm-hmm. agree with that You know, in the conversation? Absolutely. Those two guys continuing to ascend is what could vault Notre Dame from 10 to top five-ish, which is where they're going to need to be to have success in November. Yes. Because the best defensive line in, in, that you're going to face, if not the best in all of college football, is still on your docket less than a month from now. So mm-hmm. that's why a game like this is important. Ascend against Stanford and then BYU and then Syracuse as you get ready for Clemson. So, And then the backs. Continue to do what you've been doing. Continue to stay patient. Continue to just don't don't make the mistakes. No fumbles. No you know, bouncing a ball outside that should have just cut back, hit hard up. I mean, take the three if that's what's there. And know mm-hmm. when to bounce. Know when to do those type of things. I think the one thing that's got to get better this week compared to last week is the perimeter run blocking was very inconsistent last week, especially in the slot. Yeah. That scenario has got to get better and the tight end blocking has got to still get better as well. So yep. that's going to be a, a key part of this. Just throw story. them down, throw them down with Harry. He stand, man, let them get going. Yep. Right. I mean, that's, it, well, yeah, I mean, they are playing two freshmen now, right. And, and there are going to be some lumps. <laughs> I mean, like part of the reason the tight end blocking wasn't as good last week is because Eli Raritan had a rough game blocking. Well, that yeah. had been his strength. Freshmen are going to have inconsistencies. I mean, it's just part of life. I've never seen a freshman that didn't have a, you know, a game where it's like, okay, he was doing well, but then he kind of took a step back. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that. You're going to have some of those moments. That's the one position where a little inconsistency I'm going to be able to live with, just because right. your number two and your number three are true freshmen, and 
you know, uh, you, you just you, you own it. So I, I do expect that to get better. I don't think Eli Raritan is going to regress. Mm-hmm. Uh, move. I mean, he's just going to I think he's going to send and just a little step back, ascend, a little step back. So I expect that to be a little bit better. Uh, and I, you know, like Michael Mayer, it's just that he is who he is. I don't I just don't see him getting better as a blocker. I think it's just who he is. I just want to be yeah. a little bit more consistent of what he does. Just get in their way a little bit more effectively, you know, moving forward. Yep. Let's talk rent pass game, Ryan. This is another one where Notre Dame's numbers are very interesting because if you look at their their overall numbers, it's not good. It's bad, actually. Yeah. You yeah. know, the passing offense. Now, I, the number that I care most about in passing is there's two the two numbers I care most about are per, yards per attempt and rating. And those are okay-ish, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like mediocre those two areas, but they're showing good potential. The yards per game can be misleading for a, a lot of different factors, but either way, there's no spin in this. The pass offense uh, uh, from looking at it from an entire season is not good. However, mm-hmm. Ryan, if you just look at it from the context of the last two games, it tells you a little bit of a different story. And it tells you that this pass offense has a chance to, you know, to maybe, to maybe do a little something and, and whether or not it can continue to build on that is, is going to be an interesting aspect of it. Because if you look at Notre Dame's just their last two games mm-hmm. and, and just kind of project it to throughout the entire season, let's say like that was what they were for the entire season, you know, from a, a yards per game wise, they'd be 30th right now, or let me see 30 uh 32nd right now in, in yards per game that, you know, you look at yards per attempt, and it let me just kind of get it here. I'm kind of doing the math as we're talking. Yards per attempt the last two games divided by 62, and they'd be at 8.9, which is a really good number and would have them ranked 21st in the country. So not elite numbers by any stretch, but better numbers. Yep. And that's the thing is there's there's been progress, Ryan, mm-hmm. and they have to continue that because – this is a Stanford secondary that doesn't have a lot, a ton of ta- coverage talent. As we talked yesterday, their secondary is better against the run. Uh, the safeties are better against the run than they are against the pass. Yes. Their best cover guy on on uh, that side of the ball is 5'9". And, I mean, I'm not making fun of them. That's just the reality of it. And it's, it's a matchup that Notre Dame should win because, as of right now, it doesn't sound like their best corner is going to be healthy. And, you know, so actually, he, David Shaw did say that Kyle Blake Blue Kelly does look like he's going to play this week, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound like he's going to be 100. percent Right. So probably on, a, probably on a pitch count of sorts or something. Yeah. yeah so it's a matchup you should dominate. And I, I will say this: this is a game I'd really like to see Tommy Reese force the issue a bit with the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is, is because of your ability to dominate the run. If you can come out early and establish the run, it's going to set up some one-on-ones down the field. At some point in time this season, you're going to have to make your receivers more of a threat. You're not going to be able to beat the best teams in your schedule by just being tight end centric as much as they have been. Yes. Your receivers are ascending. They have played better the last two weeks. They need a game, Ryan, where it's like, okay, boom, this group is breaking out. I really think this is the perfect time for that. There's so many matchups on the perimeter in the slot that these receivers can take advantage of. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would love to see more of Jaden Thomas working from the slot like we saw last week and get him in matchups against the linebackers at Stanford. That'd be phenomenal. 
I'd love to see stuff where you're getting Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay in chase mode, which we saw last year. They had Kevin Austin had a lot of success on crossers and overs and things like that, getting him on the move. You've got guys that can make those plays. And for the love of all things holy, can I get a deep ball on the outside to one of your big boys, Tobias <laughs> or Deion Colsey? Like, you know what I mean? Like those things are there. Take those shots, in my opinion. But it's got to be part of your game plan going in. You know, you you sometimes when you're as good as they are at running back and tight end, catching the football, you can get a little too heavy on that. We saw that a little bit last week, Ryan. And now we saw them counter with the receivers a little bit with the seams and stuff, but you just got to get a little bit more, in my opinion, going. And the crossers and the overs to the receivers are going to be things that I think in this matchup, the way Stanford plays defense, I think those things can really be there in this game. And we saw Tommy Reese do that last year. Remember he had that play where they scored a touchdown where he motioned Braden Lindsey down, got him matched up against the safety, ran a quick post route for a touchdown. Do you remember that? You had yes. Kevin Austin catching a deep over route right over top of Jonathan McGill that went for a long play. So you saw that stuff a little bit last year. I want to see some of that stuff again this year as well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how Stanford kind of the game plan defensively, because I mean, even on film right now, Brian, like, you know, that they understand that they struggle stopping the run. So they'll play a lot of single high stuff at times, right? Like they'll try to get at seven, sometimes eight into the box at points. Cause they understand that they just have not been a good team at stopping the run. And I'm curious because I mean, we've talked about it, right? Notre Dame has been, but you know, this is how their bread has been buttered the last couple of weeks, right? Like they were a running football team who is taking, what they can get in the passing game. They're taking advantage of the opportunities that have been, kind of been in front of them over the last couple of weeks, which is it's been a winning formula at this point, right? But I think that Stanford, even without Caillou Blue Kelly and the struggles that they have had in the secondary just from a depth perspective, I think that they're going to come into this football game and they are going to play a lot of one-high stuff. I think they're going to get extra men in the box because they need. I think they understand that Notre Dame has a clear advantage in the run game. And when that happens, that means that you have matchup opportunities in the pass game if you're Notre Dame, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to get some man-on-man coverage at times. You're going to get, you know, heavy boxes where there's just going to be less guys working in space. There's going to be less traffic to deal with, you know, kind of off RPO and and play action action. Like you're going to get those opportunities. Notre Dame needs to capitalize on it. And and I'm not even saying – necessarily like explosive plays like Notre Dame's going to need to make a couple explosive plays because that's just what they again if you're in a heavy running team you need to have a couple of those plays every week where you make an explosive play but Notre Dame's going to have one-on-ones they're going to have open space they need to make the easy things easy I feel like at times this year in the passing game easy stuff has been a little too difficult for Notre Dame at times right make the easy things easy hit a couple explosive plays and you have the uh, and you're gonna have the opportunity to blow this team out. Like if if the running game is working and you're being and you're make, taking advantage of up, if you're being opportunistic as a passing offense, Notre Dame is a much more talented team than the Stanford team. Like much. let's not let's not let's not paint the picture that it's like a close contest, right? Like they, Notre Dame, if they do those things, they have the opportunity to blow this football team out. But we have seen them 
not be able to take advantage right. of a lot of plays in the passing game. It's been better the last couple of weeks, but it still needs to get more advantageous. You need to be up more opportunistic because there's going to be a lot of chances in this football game in the passing game, in my opinion. B feeder had a question that Ryan, this was even asked before we started this part of the show. And, and, and it fits right into what we're talking about. He says, you know, B Ryan can Notre Dame, can Stanford afford to load the box against us to stop the run? And if I'm Stanford right now and I'm watching film, I'd say, yeah, I'm taking that yeah. chance because they're not doing things to really exploit loaded boxes. Now they started to the last couple of games, but not, they're not doing enough or all the things that they can do to exploit loaded boxes. Part of that Ryan is because you've got a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. You, know, you went from one new quarterback to another new quarterback, and and you don't necessarily throw. If Tommy Reese would have thrown the whole offense to Drew Pine in the first two games, it would not have worked, and we'd be ripping him. Yep. So it's not even a criticism of Coach Reese as much as it's a, okay, I understand why it's been kind of slow sledding of being. They were more aggressive against North Carolina than they were against Cal. They were more aggressive against BYU than they were against North Carolina. That tells mm-hmm. me that they're working drew pine into more comfortable roles. So again, this is not a criticism of Tommy Reese. It's more of a, okay, I understand why you're doing okay, but he's three games under his belt. He's playing well. Now it's time to really let loose because you have a matchup and this is the matchup for it. I don't know if I would have let loose with a bunch of bombs against BYU last week. Cause the one thing we talked about is this is a very veteran, you know, good talent, successful pass defense that you're just not going to throw the ball 40 times against. They use their tight ends effectively. They use their, they used their receivers effectively to find the soft spots in the zone. They did it out. A lot of the stuff they did was out of sort of, you know, on running down, second and two, third and mm-hmm. two, you know, throwing the ball. So I thought it, there was some good stuff there, as we said on some, two, Monday night, Ryan. I felt better about the the pass game plan and the play calling coming out of the film breakdown than I did coming out of the actual game. Yeah. And I think I understood it more. The only thing I still didn't like was I still didn't understand the the, the – the specific run plays you were using, but I, I felt better about the game plan after I dove into the film and said, okay, I get it now. Okay. And then you take the, the you take the emotion of the game out and then you think about, okay, this was Drew Pine's third start, right? Like they were more aggressive even than they were last week, but now you're getting to a matchup, Ryan, where it's like, okay, this is the one that you've got to go. And then with North Carolina, North Carolina was not a, a good pass defense, but it's a talented pass secondary. Yes. yes. Now you're going against a unit that's not really either outside of Caillou Blank, Blue Kelly, who missed last week's game with an injury. So it, the, the point is, it's you've got Drew more time. You've got the matchup that works. Be aggressive. And that doesn't mean coming out throwing bombs on three of your first plays. I'm actually okay coming out and, you know, Drew's going to be amped up. It's his first home game in a month. You know, you don't want to get him to you know, look, get him into a nice little rhythm early. Do kind of what you do. Get Stanford thinking, okay, here they go again, running in quick game. And then bam, then you take those shots. Right. So this isn't a thing where I want him to come out empty and run like four verts with an under, you know what I mean? On the first three plays of the game. It's not what we're talking oh, you about. Would, oh, you would love it. You yeah. would love no, it. No, 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 not, no, 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 no. I would have never even done that unless there was a reason for it. If I had, if I had Tyler Bucker quarterback, maybe. Because I think quarterback draws would be a very effective thing against this defense, yes. but it wouldn't be to throw the football. Uh, now, does that mean you don't go empty? Of course you will, but mm-hmm. I'm not. No, that's, but I'm just making the point. That's not what I'm advocating for doing coming out of the gate. It's right. build to that. But once you get to that and you set them up, then take advantage with those shots. And mm-hmm. that's what I want to see. Because like it's almost like Ryan after the game Michael Mayer had last week. I would want. I want to show the rest of the country that hey. We can do this even if we don't throw Michael Mayer 15 passes. Right. I think that's an important thing to show. 
because Clemson will be able to scheme to take him out of the game. Not take him out of the game, limit his effectiveness, right? Right. I don't know if anybody can take him out of the game right now. He's just – because as we've seen the last two weeks, even if you cover him, Drew Pine's going to just throw it up and let Mayer go get it, you know, but limit his effectiveness. BYU didn't do a good job of that. I think Stanford will try and do a better job of that, but I don't think it's going to matter. But Clemson can, right? So – it's about right. It's the process, right? It's you're still building your offense because this is still building for November fifth, is the way I look at this, right? And that's why I like that matchup. And, and I don't think you have to get too cute with this matchup, Brian. Like we oh. went through this, right? It, it's something where I don't need a bunch of trickeration. I don't need to. I don't need you know w- window shopping in on, offensively, right? Like window dressing. I need. Notre Dame to establish what they do well because I don't think that Stanford will be able to counteract it. I don't think they'll be able to. If if Stanford comes out and just dominates Notre Dame on the in the run game as far as stopping the run, I would be shocked. I would yes. be absolutely shocked. That'd be a bad sign. That would really be a really, bad really, sign. really bad sign. You want to talk about regression? That would be like SOS, red flag. The, like what the heck is happening right the now? The only way I'd be – and again – what would be the exception, Ryan? Uh, they're just nine guys in the box and you throw for 475 yards, right? But I mean, like, there's always exceptions. But to, to your point is, like, barring something dramatic, mm-hmm. if they don't run the football well in this game, it, it's going to be a concern. Yep. The, the other thing I would say about this matchup too, Ryan, is Stanford's mm-hmm. an okay team at rushing the quarterback mm-hmm. at times. They've had two games of four sacks this year, another game with three, mm-hmm. and then the other two games, zero and one. So you've got to protect the quarterback. You've got to let Drew get into an early rhythm. And when you talk about trickeration, for me, that does not include jets and reverses. Those are, to me, need to be part of who you are. Right. I think those things need to be a part of who Notre Dame is with Braden Lindsay, especially. And and like they keep getting Lorenzo Styles. I don't think Lorenzo Styles is a great jet guy. And I know he had the one against USC, or was it Virginia last year? Virginia last year, but they just weren't good on defense. Mm-hmm. And they were coming off a game where they gave up 66 points to BYU. I think Braden Lindsay's still your best jet reverse guy. And I'd like yeah. to see him be used more there, in my opinion. But that's part of the offense. But yeah, I don't need to see like throwback passes and <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff. Just keep keep building on who you want to be against Stanford because that will be enough for you to be able to win this win win this particular part of the, these two matchups. I think offensively what Notre Dame is good at, Stanford is also not good at stopping it. Right. Yeah. So again, it's just don't mess with the formula, man. Just right. come out and be you. Don't try to be something you're not because I want to see them be able to open things up a little bit more in the passing game. But I want them to be out of who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's build on an identity. Let's not change an identity. That's what I'm looking for in this matchup. I agree with you completely. Let's dive into the overall matchup of the Notre Dame offense against the Stanford defense. Again, it's a tale of – Really uh, can't even say two halves. Well, yeah, two halves. I mean, this is, this is a tale of two halves of the season. Notre Dame coming out of halftime against Cal has looked like a completely different team than they were the first two and a half quarters of the season. I mean, you really could because they had seven points at halftime against Cal, came out and scored 17 points in the second half. Mm-hmm. And so if you'd have done that the whole game, that's you know 34 points against a, a pretty quality Cal defense. I mean, when they lost to Washington State last week, they got beat by 19. They only gave up 28 points. They lost because their offense couldn't do anything. Yeah. So, you know, yes, this is a, a, a matchup where it's like, look, if you can do – if you look at who Notre Dame has been the last half of the second half of what they've been so of their team so far this year, Ryan, then sure. Yeah, they they, they this is where – this is a more an identity. And if you kind of look at them the last two games, 
25.6 points per game. They rank 94th in the country. That's abysmal. It's abysmal. Yeah. The the bright silver lining, and again, it's 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 still not great, but it's better, is the last two games. They've been a lot better. The last two games, they're averaging 36.5 points per game. They have had missed opportunities for more that have to get better at. Their red zone defense took a big step back last week. They went into last week's matchup 10th in the nation in red zone touchdown percentage. Now they're 46 because they went one of four against BYU in touchdowns. So, you know, get back to that. But that's an area where Stanford has been pretty good as well at not letting touchdowns. So this is a, a, you know, if you can thrive there, it shows that you are good at that. You just had a rough week against BYU. You just had some missed opportunities against BYU. So to me, Ryan, this is going to be a very telling matchup because there are some, there's some weird, like this, this right here and this right here does not fit with this right here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stanford ranks 27th in the country in third down and red zone def- touchdown defense, and they rank 30th in the country in third down offense or defense. Yet they rank 110th in scoring, 122nd in yards per play. Well, that's it tells me that they're just giving up a ton of big plays. We have not seen Notre Dame be a great big play offense. No. If you're going to be that team, that's why we're talking about using the receivers more in this game and then getting back to using the backs as well. There's some things you can do out with because this is not a very athletic Stanford linebacking core. Would you agree with that outside of Tristan Sinclair? 100%. The great game for you, whereas BYU last week had a pretty athletic linebacker core that was good in coverage. That's what we talked about. So, you know, we said I'd like to see the backs used more in the pass game, and I still would have, but I understood to a degree why you didn't because you can't necessarily outrun – the, I mean, the Stanford BYU receiver linebackers are experienced. They're they're going to be in good position. So what do they do? Okay, let's get our big tight end in matchups where they can't cover them anyway. Okay, right. I get it. This is a matchup where you have a great running back versus linebacker matchup, but you also have really good receiver versus safety and receiver versus corner matchup. So take advantage and scheme them up because Stanford can be schemed up for big plays, as we've seen. And Notre Dame has not been a very big play offense. I think they've got, what, like, I think Brian Smith put something on our board today. I'm going to look it up because he had something like they've had 10 plays of at least 30 yards all season, Notre Dame. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good number through five games. That, that's really not. Yeah, he said um, Ohio, he's, yeah, oh, Notre Dame has had 11, 11 plays of 30 or more. And so, yeah, you've got to <clears> – <throat> You've got to be a bigger play offense. You have guys on your offense. that can, Renzo Styles can be a big play receiver. Brayden Lindsey, we have seen in his career at Notre Dame, he can be a big play guy. Chris Tyree can be a big play guy. Now it's up to you against this defense. Okay, what are some things we can do to create bigger plays? Notre Dame has done a great job building their efficiency the last couple games, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Now we need to see them add explosiveness on top of that efficiency. And, and that that's only going to come once Notre Dame proves to teams that their receivers – you have to def- you have to prepare for their receivers, right? right? And that that doesn't mean giving seventy five percent of your snaps to Jaden Thomas and Matt Salerno. It, it just Jaden Thomas absolutely serves a role. We saw that last week. He can do things, but you've got to be able to use Lindsey more in in the offense. You've got to be able to use Tobias more, uh, Lorenzo more. Those guys have got to step up and and be more big play guys. And hopefully, this is the game where we can see that, right? Because the third down offense for Notre Dame the last two weeks has been way – I mean, they were in the 100s mm-hmm. coming out of the Cal game in third down offense when they jumped That's way crazy. up to 52nd. It's, an, it's a nice ascension in a couple weeks, you know? It's not too yeah. bad. It's, it's, no, it's, it's going it's, in the right direction. pretty good. <laughs> it's really good. In well, two Brian, games, I was, was going to say, man, like, I mean, I, I feel like we're talking again – 
we're evolving an identity, right? We talked about that on the defensive side of the football for Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, on the offensive side of the football. For this particular matchup in an over-encompassing way, right? Yes, Notre Dame needs to be more explosive. They need to create more big plays. But one thing that they can't sacrifice, to your point, is also the efficiency side of things, right? Like they've been a more efficient team. Because when I look at this Stanford defense, I look at these raw numbers, this is not an efficient defense. Six and a half yards per play, that is not efficient. You are inefficiently giving up yards on every play. And the turnovers gained, we didn't talk about that one, right? 130th right now. They've only turned uh, forced two turnovers on defense right now. Notre Dame in an efficient vacuum, right, is a team that is going to consistently gain X amount of yardage per play, and they are not going to shoot themselves in the foot, right? Like, let's not turn the football over a ton. Let's maintain the integrity of the offense, keep things moving. If you can do that and keep Stanford bad at what they're bad at right now and also add explosive plays, then we're cooking, man. Then we're heading into a, a barometer where it's like, okay, this team could be a pretty good team because right now – what I, what I, my opinion of the last two games building off of it is that, hey, can Notre Dame play this, this brand of football where it's bully ball and it's efficient, right? Can they do that? If you can, you're going to win some football games because, you know, you don't, you don't shoot yourselves in the foot. You keep yourselves on schedule. But if they can take the next step now and add some explosive plays on top of that efficiency, then that's when you're talking about them actually taking a nice step. Because mm-hmm. if they stay the same that they've been the last two weeks, you're like, okay, that's good, man. That's a good offense, right? But if they take that next step now, that's where you see the growth. That's where you see the next level. And that's what you need to see, not only just to have a commanding victory over Stanford, but for the rest of the season, for the rest of Marcus Freeman's tenure, right? For Tommy Reese's sake, like for all those things, you need to start building upon that. If you can, then I feel good about the direction of Notre Dame. If it just stays the same, though, that's where you kind of – is there a lull? Is there a ceiling? Mm-hmm. What, what's the issue there? I think that Notre Dame has a chance to really push that in the right direction this weekend as well.